Hey there, Katie Joy, the Global Butterfly. And I have an incredible little share for you today because I actually read my latest blog article to my Love Light Leadership Academy clients and it blew them away. So it's called Why Perfectionism is Killing Your Health, Happiness and Business. Why Perfectionism is Bad. And rather than redo it all, I actually thought I'd just capture that moment and share with you the clip of where I'm actually reading and sharing from my heart this blog post. So I hope it really touches you in a place and serves you deeply, just like I did for my clients, and that it gives you some insight if it maybe is something that you need some help with shifting from perfectionism and out of it into something far more valuable, because this is a game changer. Here it is. The opposite of the authentic self is the perfectionist. The perfectionist. It twists me every time I hear someone identify themselves. Yeah, but I'm a perfectionist. It's even worse when they say it like it's an, a, a trophy. <laughs> I'm like, ooh. Let me drop a bomb on you. Perfection and procrastination, they're not only related, they're co-joined twins. I'll say that again. Perfection and procrastination are not only related, they're co-joined twins. Let me explain a bit why. Because when someone is in the perfectionist mindset, they're so afraid of it not working out or being rejected or afraid of disapproval or that they're not going to get it done correctly, right? So they will put it off until they can get it all done right. Putting it off is procrastinating. And often it never gets done or it's so delayed. And the, the irony is the perfectionist is usually the most messiest person as well because they're procrastinating. So they let shit get really bad before they finally get to that crisis point and move. <laughs> and you're all laughing because you're all like, damn, she's in my head. <laughs> and I'm by no means judging you. I only know this so well because I used to be her, right? I used to be the perfectionist. In, in fact, I... Uh, Allow me to remind you, well, share a few things with you, if, you, if I will, because I, I wrote a, um, uh, I'm tired, a blog piece uh, the other day about perfection, and it's going to come out in the next, uh, tomorrow, it'll come out tomorrow live, but there's a, a couple of parts of it that I wanted to share with you. Is this resonating with you all, by the way? Yeah. Is it making you sit up and go, ooh, wowee? <laughs> I am, my goal is to really help you understand yourself even more and become even more aware about why perfectionism literally will kill your health, happiness and business and why perfectionism is bad. And I literally titled my blog piece that. 
Um, and then I wrote uh, quite a bit about it. So would you like me to share a little bit about, you know, a bit more about perfectionism and why it's so important that you really become, you, you monitor yourself to witness when this shows up and you call yourself out on it and shift into progress, not perfection. Okay. Who would like the first insight for me to actually read this all to you? Yeah. All right. Well, let's do this. All right. Why perfectionism is killing your health, happiness, and business, and why perfectionism is bad. Since I love to really delve deep into all things energy and what causes energy blocks, I want to focus on perfectionism for this content piece. The reason why is because as a coach, I see the programming of perfectionism as a real struggle for many people. There was a time in my life too that it was a problem for me, so I get it. I also highly value the opportunities that come with overcoming this debilitating trait, or as you will find out, it's actually a learned habit. So I want to provide you with the benefit of understanding why perfectionism, sorry, perfectionism is not a good thing and how you can take immediate action to overcome it. So first, what is perfectionism? It is a fear-based pattern often embedded as a defense mechanism, most likely after a real or perceived traumatic event. It's a constraint, sorry, it is a constraint, but it's also a constant striving for excessively high performance standards accompanied with highly critical regard for self and others for fear of not being good enough. Here are some signs that you might be a perfectionist. You can get very anxious about small details and get stuck. I often feel overcome and overwhelmed with the mental attachment to do everything. <laughs> can be rigid and controlling, believe that they can do it best and that no one else can do the job as good as them. Demanding and, so, and critical of both self and others, often imposing their exceptionally high standards on everyone else. Workaholics, whether their role is taking care of the home and family or work or both because they take on the load of everything themselves, believing they can do the job best. Often big procrastinators, since the perfectionist often has a focus on doing it just right. <laughs> They're more likely to put things off until they can accomplish that, whether it's tidy the house, clean the car, complete a project, or take action on a new goal. Have a lot of difficulty asking for help, even when they crash and burn out constantly struggling with self-doubt, wondering if whatever they do is good enough. I'll pause right there for a moment. Is this resonating? Raise your hand if this is totally resonating. Yeah, <laughs> right. Awesome. This one, it really did. It just all channeled down through me. So, and when I wrote it and I read it, I felt like I was elevated with more insight. I was like, wow. So here's the next question. Where does perfectionism come from? I'm going to relate this in my own story. As I previously mentioned, I've experienced being in the mindset of being the perfectionist, especially through my teens, 20s and 30s. Having done a lot of introspective work and lots of healing, I can pinpoint the exact root cause for my own maladaptation when I shifted into being perfect. For me, it was during lower school. I was not that interested in class. While I could do the work, I was bored and I would zone out, draw, or occupy myself with sending handwritten notes to friends in class. <laughs> you can relate to that. 
<laughs> totally. This led me to getting C's in my report cards. So my parents bribed me with getting me, sorry, giving me $10 for every A that I would bring home in my end of semester report cards for my middle year in high school. Two weeks before the end of the first semester, I received the results back for a test in human biology class and I got 98%. I was stoked. Over the moon with myself. And as I quickly rode my, my bicycle home with a grin on my face, I imagined my dad giving me the praise I had forever longed for. But when I got home, I walked into the kitchen to tell my parents. My dad worked from his home office and mum was mostly home to care for myself and my two brothers. When I burst forth with excitement to share my 98% test results, the very first comment out of my dad's mouth was, what happened to the other 2%? My world froze at that moment. Imagine being stabbed in the gut with a Japanese sword. <clears throat> you can hear and feel the emotion still, right? And the blade committing harakiri, because that's exactly what it felt like to that 15-year-old version of myself. The message was clear, that I needed to get 100% to be good enough to be accepted and maybe finally get the love, praise and attention I so desperately ached for. So believing what, that I needed to get 100% to be good enough, when I received my report card two weeks later and saw that I had five A's and one B on my card, I immediately thought, you know, I was, it was just filled with disappointment. It should have been exciting. And two weeks prior before the 98% incident, I would have been stoked with myself. But all I could imagine and fear was my dad now saying, what happened to the 6A? So I pedaled home slowly, feeling defeated that day, and I was hesitant to share my report card. I felt deeply sad, anticipating feeling not good enough. And with full predictability, my dad at the time said, what happened with the B? Why didn't you get six A's? So the message was made louder and clearer than ever. You've got to be perfect to get my praise and feel worthy. I got $50 richer in my pocket that day, but my heart was aching and my soul felt lost. My thought process was, if I just try harder, I'll be perfect, which means I'll then get his love. So by the end of term two, when I got my second report card for the year, I was jumping with delight when I got six A's. I've done it. I finally did it. And my mind raced with the images of my dad picking me up and twirling me around as his dear little girl that he expressed love for. That was my fantasy I always had. <laughs> so at home feeling confident with my achievement. That was greeted with, well, you've proved yourself now. I'm not paying you money. You've shown you can do it. So my next lesson in that message was not only do you have to be perfect, but continue to achieve impossibly high standards and don't expect to be rewarded or celebrated. As an adult or any logical thinking human, you can see how that patterning can drive a person to achieve at all costs and never acknowledge yourself and do not stop before the, because there is no finish line. For someone else that may have made them give up completely. I'm sure the trail of humanity is littered with folks like that. But the person who adopts the perfectionism program will not 
give up. They just suffer deeply while they continue forward trying to achieve the unattainable. The true reason for being a perfectionist is not about gaining something material or even status. It is driven by an emotional need to be worthy of love. The root cause of perfectionism is a desperate desire to avoid the fear of disapproval and rejection. It is a low vibrational energy that only attracts more low vibrational results. Why is perfectionism a problem, especially for the coach, teacher or heart-centered entrepreneur? One of the big challenges for someone running the pattern of perfectionism is they absolutely dread the idea of being criticized. Since for the perfectionist, everything is run through the filter of fear of not being good enough. It means they are often afraid of disapproval and rejection. So they are rarely open to any feedback, including valuable constructive feedback, as they take it personally if they get it. And to their even greater disadvantage, a perfectionist will rarely even ask for feedback in fear of having their fear of not being good enough validated. It's a self-perpetuating cycle of emotional and mental hell. Here is perhaps a painful truth, but a liberating thought to, a to the coach, teacher or entrepreneur. Being focused on being perfect is entirely self-focused rather than service-focused. One can be aesthetically polished and appear to have everything perfect, but the true energy of appearance demonstrates an artificial layer and screams a lack of authenticity to their audience, students, and clients. When someone is not being real, even if we can't pick it up consciously, the subconscious mind does. It is felt as an awkward feeling in the body and may even be present in thoughts like, I'm not sure about this person, which means there is a lack of trust experienced by the audience, student, or client. That is a big problem. Perfectionism will really block the coach, teacher, or entrepreneur from truly connecting and providing the optimal shifts with their audience, students, and clients because it sends the message that I don't believe I'm good enough. I have to appear as perfect to be accepted, and so do you. What genuine transformation can occur under the spellcasting of that energy? Honestly, not much of a transformation, if at all. So it makes sense then that it would be a really good idea to begin the habit to let go of being perfect and embrace instead self-acceptance, excuse me, self-acceptance, to live, teach, and lead as your authentic, kind, loving self. Doesn't it? What's the solution to perfectionism? The goal is to change positive self-talk and shifting habits to focus on celebrating progress not perfectionism it's also about embracing your authentic self through self-acceptance that requires a willingness to forgive yourself and others who you may believe hurt you let you down or who didn't live up to your expectations in their role it also requires you to let go of any attachment that you believe your happiness is tied to getting your emotional needs met by someone else. To do so delays your own healing, impacts your mental and emotional health and gives away your power. The shift begins when you decide to love yourself no matter what, including all parts of yourself. 
Embracing all your perceived flaws and owning all your strengths leads to an integrated life, living authentically and enjoying every step of the journey, including the messes and successes. And if you are a coach, healer, creative, teacher or heart-centered entrepreneur, then when it comes to helping others, it's not about, it's not about perfectionism, but rather the focus needs to be on transformation, helping people shift into real results through progress, not being perfect. So has this article been helpful? Please let me know. And definitely feel free to share it with a friend or someone you know who might be struggling with perfectionism so they can benefit from these insights and next action steps to overcome it too. Everyone is deserving and worthy of love. And here's my final author's note. You may be left wondering about my dad. The thing is, we are all subject to the programming and social conditioning of family, society, culture, education, media, movies, and more. In addition to that, unresolved trauma perpetuates trauma. What we don't resolve ends up being a bleeding mess on others who didn't cut us. Some of us are more courageous than others and inclined to face the shadows within to do the inner work. That's our soul calling. And when we do, we create healing far beyond ourselves. We heal our ancestral lines. We heal our communities. We heal the world. It all begins within ourselves. Without the experience and learnings from my 10 years, I wouldn't have the insight and wisdom to help so many people. That positive impact is my focus with my work and mission today. So my final words about my experience is that I am deeply grateful and hope too that you can find that peace within yourself to experience inner healing and actualizing your full potential too. The end. How powerful was that? Yeah. Does anyone want to, what did it invoke in you? What did it feel? Because this is so relevant. I mean, if this is what motivates you to take the most utmost pride and care and action to self-care plan, then it's done its job. And I've got goosebumps. You're all resonating with it. I can feel it. <laughs> so was that super massive value for you too? I hope so. If you love this, please hit subscribe, leave a comment below and definitely share it with a friend. And I'll see you in next week's episode.